Good day to you and welcome to Brainwaves, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. My name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and probably from the background noise you can hear to your listeners, we're having a bit of a refurbishment at Brainwaves HQ, so we didn't really feel like we could get a guest in this week. We're putting together a stage for the awards show that's going to be coming at the end of the year, and there's a lot of dust and uh, all sorts of building work going on in the background so it's just me and jamie this week isn't it jamie it is indeed also a lot of room has been taken up by uh, people making me my special brainwaves award suit i'm a bit i'm a tall guy so there's a, a lot of acreage needed uh for the material it'll be fine wait 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 you've got tailors in to make you a special suit is this in the budget sam's not here i can scrape it out the budget did i approve this yes you did the other day when I gave you those biscuits, there was a piece of paper under the biscuits, and it said, if you eat these biscuits, uh, you acquiesce to this, and you ate the biscuits, so... I'm not sure that's how contracts work. I... Uh, you'd have to ask Sam, wherever he is. Well, let's get on with this, then. I'll I'll check the details later. Maybe I'll... I might have to take out your wages, though. What wages? These are the headlines for the week of the 9th of December, 2019. A world champion decides it's time to go. Uno gets rid of its pesky politics, and a scientific study shows the benefit of tabletop games in older age. All this and more in this episode of Brainwaves. We are starting this podcast with an announcement that Lee Sedol, 18 times Go World Champion, has announced his retirement from the game, citing machines cannot be defeated. Now, a bit of background, Lee Seedal started playing Go, the two-player abstract strategy game, first created in China over two and a half thousand years ago. He started playing it aged five. He went professional just seven years later. And by the way, he's just retired aged 36. He also holds the honour of being the only person to ever beat the Google algorithm AlphaGo, which was created to play Go. In 2016, he played AlphaGo in a five-match series, of which AlphaGo won four of them. Now, in the statement to Yonghap News Agency, Lee Seedol said, Even if I become the number one, there is an entity that cannot be defeated. With the debut of AI in Go games, I've realised that I'm not at the top, even if I become the number one. Since that game series in 2016, there's been a self-teaching version of AlphaGo that has been created. And it has beaten the non-self-taught version, a hundred games to none. Pretty that, that damn is impressive. quite incredible. It's just to clarify that. So the second version of AlphaGo basically taught itself to play Go, and then beat the one that was taught via algorithm advice or like testing and getting Go players to play against it. So basically, an AI has been made to that taught itself Go, and then went on to beat the AI that beat the world champion. Yes. Four now, times. If you think, oh, it's, it's it's a board game, how hard can it be to teach a computer Go? Uh, I'd like to say there is a oft-quoted figure that there are allegedly more possible Go-move combinations than atoms in the observable universe. I have had a little check-up on that. Uh, the currently estimated figure of atoms in the observable universe 
is between 10 to the power of 78 and 10 to the power of 82. So quite a lot. However, the number of possible GoMove combinations right now stands at 10 to the power of 360. That's a lot of GoMoves. It does. And I think one of the reasons I think it works so well for a computer is it's a purely skill-based game. It falls into the same band as chess. There is there is no luck inherent in the game. You might go, well, the luck of, you know, what the opponent's going to do if you can psychologically unnerve them. Yes, but that's not an inherent part of the game. Which leads me to think, are there any games that are not, say, two and a half thousand years old? Or, I'm afraid I can't remember how old chess is. What are the next games that might be, you know, taught by computers two computers even uh, my first one I can think of is computer photosynthesis now, I love photosynthesis I think it's a great game it's one of, the, one of my favorite games from last year but it is a game that is pretty much pure skill there's almost no luck involved moving on from computers uh, I mean if you take a look around the world that you are right now you can't escape politics in any form and Ian I believe you may have some sort of a solution Yes, absolutely. If you want to get away from the hubbub of politics, be it American, British, or wherever else you live, then I have got the game for you. This is Uno Nonpartisan. So it's a Uno edition without the red or blue cards. Obviously, this is meant to be for the states where the colours of the main parties are blue for Democrat and red for Republican. From Mattel's website, they say without red or blue cards, the focus can stay on the game. Now... This is kind of an insane piece of taking the politics out of games going to the absolute extreme. I don't think I've ever thought, ooh, Uno, I'm playing with cards that are blue and red and green. They must obviously represent political parties of the particular country I'm in. I'm going to take a wild swing at this, Ian, and go, they don't care. They're just wanting people to play Uno. And by doing this, they get people talking about it. I guess, yeah. But at the same time, if it's ever released in Britain, they are going to have to be very careful what cards they choose. Because you can't, if they're taking the politics out, you can't have red, you can't have blue, you can't have yellow, uh, or orange, or green. Uh, what other ones? You can't have purple. You can't have light blue. You can't have, you know what, I will probably get we very get bored uh, <laughs> naming colours that you can't have due to political parties. Indeed. But it's... It's a marketing strategy, and it seems to be working because they got us talking about them. That it did indeed. But from a strange piece of politics coming out of games, uh, there's been some science about games recently, hasn't there, Jamie, from our own very own Edinburgh University? Yes, Ian, there has been a study released from Edinburgh University where more than a 1,000 people aged 70 have been tested by a team, and results have apparently shown that those who regularly play or have played non-digital games or tabletop games to you and me scored better on memory and thinking tests. Now, according to Dr. Drew Altschul, he said, these latest findings add to evidence that being more engaged in activities during the life course might be associated with better thinking skills in later life. For those in their 70s or beyond, Another message seems to be that playing non-digital games may be a positive behaviour in terms of reducing cognitive decline. Adding to this statement, Age UK's director, Caroline Abrahams, has said, Even though some people's thinking skills can decline as we get older, this research is further evidence that it doesn't have to be inevitable. 
The connection between playing board games and other non-digital games later in life and sharper thinking and memory skills adds to what we know about steps we can take to protect our cognitive health, including not drinking excess alcohol, being active, and eating a healthy diet. There's further interest in seeing if particular types of games may have more potency than the others, but uh, it might take a bit more time with a bit more rigorous testing. Now, very quickly, test subjects had taken a similar test when they were 11, and tests were repeated every three years or so. So it seems to be fairly consistent, and this appears to be a pretty comprehensive study. And now moving on to other news. Now this week, Fantasy Flight. Has... Uh, Jamie, yeah, Jamie, Jamie, yeah, Jamie, Jamie. Wait, 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 wait. We we don't really have access to the newsroom properly. Uh, but RPG Corner is okay, and we've got some RPG news. So I thought we'd just like spend the rest of the cast pretty much in RPG Corner. Bit of a treat, you know. The rest of the cast in RPG Corner. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Why don't we do this every single time? Just have all the podcasts just in RPG Corner. Because this is lovely. It is lovely, but I mean, I don't want you getting too comfortable. I mean, you know, you got you got to sit up straight. It's, ba- it's, it's bad for our posture being in these chairs and being in these smoking jackets. And, well, we were just talking about the excess alcohol and there's just, there's just so much on display here. You know, just... Drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. And yeah, I mean, we've got the fire on, obviously, this time of year, because it's a little bit colder. Uh, and to- talking about throwing things into the fire, it seems that uh, Cubicle 7 has had to give up the One Ring license. A post on the 27th of November announced that Cubicle 7 would be bringing an abrupt end to the Lord of the Rings-themed RPG, The One Ring, that they produce. Uh, originally published in 2011, Cubicle 7 was busy working on a second edition of the game, and were in the process of taking pre-orders for a new set of books Uh, they were due for release in the first half of 2020 interestingly it appears that this has happened due to a dispute with the holders of the lord of the rings license for rpgs a company called sophisticated games now cubicle 7 have basically decided that because even though they are most of the way through writing a lot of the books for the second edition and possibly some of the stuff was at printers by now because it was going to come out in the first half of 2020 they've they can't release the line because they can't support it beyond that point. If you're one of the customers that has pre-ordered those things, Cubicle 7 have put up details on their site about getting refunds for pre-orders. It's just one of those reminders that sometimes these things just fall apart very suddenly, unfortunately. I, I think it came as a shock to Cubicle 7. It was a very sudden announcement. Uh, they had some of the stuff on sale still at Dragon Meat. I was just down in London at uh, so they, they've still got some of the first edition books on their site. So if you do want to get any of that material, I would grab it and buy it as soon as you can because it's not going to be around for very much longer. That reminds me. A friend of mine is very into The One Ring. And I think it's run a couple of events yeah. with it. I might message him and just go, yeah, if you want anything, you better make it quick because uh, it's, yeah. it's a bit like the fantasy uh, years ago. Was it 2015, 2016? 
the Fantasy Flight games parting ways with Games Workshop license, and you were kind of going, oh, these games like Fury of Dracula yeah. and the role-playing games, I want those books now. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, these these licenses come and go all the time. Maybe we'll see it pop up with a different team uh, who'll do a Lord of the Rings RPG of their own. Well, to be, Hard to, to tell. be fair, sophisticated games do make, for example, the Lord of the Rings, the board game, and Lord of the Rings, the War of the Ring. So it's not as if they have got no experience with Tolkien properties. Oh, indeed. So yeah, might even see games coming out from then. Uh, can I refill your glass, Jamie? Oh, please, yes. Uh, not too much, though. Speaking of Dragon Meat, there was a seminar given by Chaosium, publishers of the Call of Cthulhu RPG, amongst other properties that they were going to be doing an RPG based on the Rivers of London books by Ben Aronovich. This will be based on, uh, this will have their BRP system in it, which is the basic role-playing system that that powers Call of Cthulhu amongst a variety of other games. Lynn Hardy, who's the associate line editor for Call of Cthulhu and the New Rivers Project, said, I started reading Peter Grant's adventures a few years ago, that's the character in the books, and knew right away that Folly would make a marvellous setting for an investigatory fantasy game. Ben was intrigued about the potential for a Rivers of London RPG when I broached the idea to book signing late last year. After a meeting in London in April, we entered negotiations to secure the license. Chaosium are not the only people to have licensed this series recently. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost announced that their company Stolen Pictures had acquired the rights in May 2019 to produce a TV series based on the books. So this could be a very lucrative property for Chaosium. If that TV series hits the waves and it kicks off, it'll be interesting to see them do a tie-in sort of RPG with that yeah. and see that crossover once more between TV and and role-playing games. You ever read any of the books, Jamie? I haven't, actually. Uh, you're talking about this. It, it kind of interests me. I remember I've seen it for sale a lot and I've gone... I might pick that up. I'll see how it feels. I'll see how, you know, I go. And it's always kind of slipped out the back of my mind. But I might see, you know, if yeah. I get a little little book token or something like that over Christmas. I've only read the first one myself, but it was a pretty enjoyable book. And yeah, I can I can see a RPG based in that world. Sort of, sort of modern, realist fantasy kind of thing. Kind of I've got to say, yeah. fantasy... Fantasy kind of... Investigative fantasy is... Oh, it's going through something of a renaissance right now in the not so much investig- investigatory but we've had you know we've had game of thrones we've had shannara chronicles we've had all these things and we're going to be having terry pratchett's uh discworld the watch series very soon oh of course which yeah is currently i forgot about that i think it's currently filming Sorry. yeah i believe it is Just because yeah. i believe it's richard dormer who's playing uh sam vimes and i flipping love richard dormer so i'm excited but yeah i will i will have a look for rivers of london yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we're quite comfortable here. We can have a wee, I think a little, how about a little chat about what, what we've been up to this year and we're, what we're going to be doing next. Yeah, so we'll fill up, fill up these glasses, settle down into these chairs and look back at the year that was. I'll, I'll be so, honest, Ian, I don't so, think I can go any further back in this chair. I mean, I am max reclined. It's got a, it's got a lever? A reclining I, lever I, thing? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And they're good. We, we we spare no expense for RPG Corner. The rest of the studio, oh, all the expenses are spared. Plastic seats and everything. Yeah, it's been a good year for the Giant Brain. I think I think we've we've been having a pretty good time. Obviously, we lost Sam to the instant at the start of the year, but our get our roving reporters have done us proud. We've had lots of good guests on, and we'd 
I'd like to thank all of them, all our all our guest reporters for coming on and helping us out on the show. We've had a great time meeting those folks. Everyone has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's amazing just kind of, you know, I'm, I would never really call myself initially very au fait with the board game industry, but meeting, talking to so many great people, expanding my kind of knowledge and awareness of the board game industry, you know, at the very least in, in Britain or in Scotland, has been been fantastic. And I've I've been worrying that I've not played as many board games as I have this year over previous years. But I think that's out is kind of balanced with I've been being more confident in kind of, you know, being part of the board game community. Yeah, that's it. It's like it takes a little bit of time to sort of settle into the the idea of being like a sort of I, I hate the term, but content creator, and yeah, just just knowing, just just talking about it, and kind of knowing things, and just knowing people yeah. who you can talk to about it, and develop your ideas, your and and such like with. Yeah, we've developed a lot of good contacts over the last year. We've helped us out with bit and news, bits and pieces, and yeah, we'd really like to thank all our guests who, who have come on. We're looking at lining up some interesting guests for next year. Yeah, some really good things in the in the pipeline that I can't really talk about right now. But I'm hoping to line up some very special guests for next year, including some people for a couple of specials we've got planned at some point next year. Convention-wise, it's been good, isn't it? We went to Expo in June. That was really, really yeah, good Yeah, it was fun. my first time with a press pass, so I was mightily surprised. Um, yeah, it was good. It was, I had, Don't let I anyone think, in these days. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, that's what I thought when I got my press pass. I think... Yeah, this time I last year when I went down for the first time I was very nervous. I didn't I knew you and that was about it. So myself and my girlfriend kinda of walked about a bit, um, saw some things and we were like, Right, okay, we, we, we can go now. Whereas this year was like, Okay, you know, I know some of these people, yeah, okay, look, we'll meet up with these people, we'll have a wee chat, this would be nice. Um yeah. it was much more rather than an expo, it was an event, if that makes sense. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's rather than just going for one day, day and seeing a bunch of stuff, you actually want to hang around and like chat with people and socialize a little bit more as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean that comes just with attending those things a bit more and getting a bit more confident with with being there. So yeah, Expo was really good. We did Tabletop Scotland in October as well, where you betrayed me horribly. I helped and out. Went, our, went and worked for the Unlucky Frog. I helped out our very good friend, the Unlucky Frog, with you know seminar uh, sorting out. By that I mean like sorting chairs and stuff and mics. Yeah, I I had a great time. My first time at Tabletop Scotland. It was a great weekend. Had a good good crack and uh, played some really good games. Yeah, I mean that that show is growing. Like it grew something like fifty four percent this year, and no doubt they're going to grow again next year. I think they're staying in the same venue. There's still some space to move into in that venue, so uh, their dates are up already for next year, and they'll be launching tickets in January, and we'll definitely be going back. And I'm hoping to get some friends from up south who I've just been down seeing um, up for Tabletop's Gone because they've been interested in it. Friends from up south? Oh, sorry. Did I say up south? I, that's staying in. <laughs> I'll try that no, again. No, no, no. That's staying in. I love it. My friends from up south. I, I loved it. It's great. No, no. It's, it's, it's a nice... It's a nice... Uh, a a sure. nice, nice twist of words. Um, yeah, so yeah, I really enjoyed Tabletop's Gone. It was the first time um, we did some interviews on the floor for the cast those came out okay I've, i'll talk about that a little bit more with dragon meat in in a moment as well 
And it was the first time I'd ever done a seminar as well because I, I stepped in to help out with uh, running one of the seminars and that was really good fun. I'd especially like to thank Andy Hepworth, Johnny Hodgson and Ralph Horsley for uh, being the panellists on the art, art panel that I was um, comparing and they were very, very gracious and very, very nice people to t- talk to. It was really good fun. I really enjoyed myself. You're one, you were wonderful, darling. You were wonderful. You were a great moderator, darling. Great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. I I I've definitely said I'll I think I said to David right afterwards accidentally that I would do it again next year. So no doubt you'll see me on another panel or two next year. Watch out. Entirely possible. So Ian, yes, you sorry, at the time of recording, which is quite early December, you are just back from Dragon Meat, which was down in London, I believe. Yes, indeed. And this is not a convention about eating the be- the eating the meat of uh, mystical beasts or indeed meeting me- mystical beasts but it it was originally an rpg focused convention and is now a big event in the hammersmith novotel in london uh, full of all sorts of companies showing off their wares seminars games and that kind of thing this year it felt a little bit like it had gone back more towards its roots felt like there was about sort of a third board games about two-thirds rpg sort of representation across all sort of things Uh, but it was really good i played some interesting wee games uh play actually i'll talk i'll talk about that in a different cast i'm going to put out we'll be putting out a cast with some of the audio i recorded uh, interviewing a few folk about that in the next sort of couple of weeks after this one goes out interesting interviews with um some the smaller board game companies that were there it was really interesting to talk to them and play some interesting games as well i'll be writing up something for the site as well i'll probably be going out after the day after this cast is recorded actually so about the 4th of december so it'll be out on the site by the time you're are listening uh we've had a few couple of firsts on the site this year as well we had you writing on the site about mega games yeah, that I went did. down very well uh, yeah it was it was another uh, first down at expo uh if if you listen to this cast at all you may have heard that i i did my first mega game uh watch the sky second site graciously hosted at uk games expo by south of mega games and horizon mega games and I had a blast. Look at the what. Read my story about me being the Japanese prime minister. Indeed, yeah, I I've always kind of said I can. Well, I was about to say I can talk a fair game. If you listen to me on the podcast, uh, even that's in doubt sometimes. But I think I I talk better than I write. So it was, it was putting. Th- it was you know it was it was sounds stupid, but it was a bit of a challenge. Me just putting down everything that I could remember and and keeping my diary. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad it, it was certainly enjoyed by folk on the site. So yeah, I think it went down very well. And we had our first guest article as well from Pierre Hopkins from our, the John to the Flame podcast. Pierre was also on the cast earlier in the year and he was writing about a war cry, uh, which is Jamie and I don't get a lot, play a lot of miniature games. And Pierre was keen to write something about his thoughts on the game because he really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, that's gone down very well. It's getting consistent um, eyes on it over the last year. So thanks very much for Pierre for doing that for us i'd like to talk a little bit just now about our patron so we we do run a patron um some of you are uh, already a part of that and we'd really like to thank all our patrons so far for making the cast possible thank you so much yeah it's 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 amazing that that folk give us money to do this and we really really appreciate it and it just takes a wee bit of the financial burden off myself for a podcast hosting and the uh, wordpress hosting as well we're going to be changing that up a little bit in the not too distant future at, at the moment we have three three tiers of pledges there's a one dollar pledge which gets you the extended version of our regular cast this cast 
There is a $2 pledge, which gets you access to the Idle Thoughts podcast, which is a podcast where myself, Jamie, and one of our guests just chat about the games we've been playing recently. And there's a $5 tier that gets you a shout out on the cast, gives you an executive producer credit and some merchandise as and when we produce that kind of thing. We're planning to simplify that down a little bit in the new year, or actually probably before the end of this year, uh, where we're just going to have a $1 pledge that will get you access to Idle Thoughts, the extended version of the cast, and some other bits and pieces over the course of the year, and the executive producer credit as well. You'll still be able to give us more than that if you want to, but um, yeah, to actually get access to all those things, it'll just be the $1 pledge. We're also going to be changing the nature of those pledges. So rather than them being, I always had them phrased as parts of the brain because of the way the giant brain is was originally set up. But since um, we need, you know, help in the backstage of the areas of the Brainwaves HQ, we're going to be uh, getting our patrons to help out uh, at, at Brainwaves HQ for, for a little bit of a contribution. You'll get backstage passes, obviously the executive producer, um, credit as well and that kind of thing so do keep keep a look out for those changes and if you've been holding off on joining our patron we'd really really appreciate you joining in on that It'll be only one dollar a month and you'll get a bunch of extra content for that as well well before we wrap this thing up we just uh, talking about our patrons we just like to give a little shout out to our executive producers the lucky sparrow gaming cafe uh they're an excellent gaming cafe in glasgow you should go and check them out if you are in the area and they just recently celebrated their first year anniversary. Uh, so congratulations, folks. Well done for sticking sticking with it for the year. And yeah, you're getting, you seem to be doing extremely well over in Glasgow. So well done. And thank you for supporting us. You are fantastic. Indeed. You're very lovely people. You're very lovely. Now, Ian, is, that, is, is, is it time? Are we, are we nearly done? Are we nearly done? Oh, I have news for you. I, you know what? I thought Monopoly was just winding down for Christmas like the rest of us. But oh no, Hasbro has probably been listening to us. I mean, we talk about a fair bit of Monopoly. I mean, it's Kickstarter and Monopoly is what we talk about hang most on. on this podcast. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're, we're still in RPG Corner. You can't sully RPG Corner. No, no, you, you said the rest of the podcast is going to take place in RPG Corner. So right now, this is taking place in RPG Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, <sighs> Monopoly is, by most accounts, a game that does take a wee while to play. But what if Monopoly, but longer? Now, surely someone at Hasbro is either leaning heavily into the Everybody hates us, so let's be very self-aware uh, angle. They're either trolling heavily, a mixture of the two, or maybe they're just desperate, or all of the above. The newest version of Monopoly announced is Monopoly Longest Game Ever. What makes Monopoly longer than normal Monopoly, you ask? Well, I'm very glad you didn't ask. There is only one dice instead of two. Instead of 28 properties, there will be 66 properties on a much longer board. If you worry about going bankrupt, oh, don't worry about that. You can rip up your Monopoly money. So you rip one bill in half, now you have two bills. So you don't need to worry about running out of money. Oh, and there's one more thing. The only way to win is to have one player own all 66 properties. The longest game of Monopoly ever was 70 straight days. 70 days. 70. 70. 70 days. 
was 70 that, days. For a record, specifically for a record attempt, or was this just over Christmas? I Does Christmas last 70 days for you, Ian? Yeah. I This is going to exist. It is a thing. Yeah, I said, unfortunately. I well, I've got something you can at- spend your money on that is actually good. So, earlier in the year... Uh, for an April Fool's joke, the fine folks at Fantasy Flight Games put out an, a, a, a fake expansion for Arkham Horror. This was just on their website. It wasn't an actual product called the Dogwitch Legacy. This was basically them taking cards that would actually be late, released later in the year and putting sort of dog art on them and doing all sorts of weird extra cards and counter cards, all sorts of player cards with um, dog-themed puns and art on them. It was, it was a cute little thing to do for April Fool's. The artists had a lot of fun uh, designing them. They did, it indeed. And there was such a huge fan response that FFG have now decided to release this as an actual product called the Meddling of Meowlauthotep. <laughs> it's being released as a one-off adventure pack. So these are side scenarios that you can do inside a campaign or just as run as a one-off. Uh, players are going to be dogs combating the evil minions of Meowlauthotep. Meowsinger of the Outer Feline Gods in Barkham. Uh, yeah, instead of Arkham, it's Barkham. Arkham, Ho- Arkham Horror cards can be used to build your canine deck with some exceptions, so you can use your, your pool of cards you've got from other expansions to build these these investigators. But you, you can only use these investigators in this particular scenario. Well, basically they've said you can only use them in this particular scenario, but they know you're going to try and use them in other scenarios, so go ahead if you want to. The scenario pack is also going to be supporting Pets for Vets, a charity that brings veterans and trained companion animals together. There's a, there's a similar couple of charities in the UK and they're very, very worthwhile supporting. So it's good to see that they're giving a bit of money to charity as well with this. The best thing about this, I think, is there is a character in the Arkham Horror LCG called Ashcam Pete and he has a dog called Duke and is very is well known amongst the community that effectively you're Duke the Investigator and there happens to be this hobo with a guitar that follows you around. Now you can actually play Duke. Duke is in the set, so I'd imagine we'll see Duke in quite a few other uh, scenarios popping up in the Path to Carcosa and Forgotten Age and things like that. When's it out, Ian? Well, Jamie, I have absolutely no idea. It is for pre-order right now on Fantasy Flight's site, but they do not even have a quarter saying when like we're saying which quarter i'll be out in yet uh, i would imagine that'll be out sometime probably in first quarter maybe second quarter next year would be my guess that tends to be the lead time for between fantasy flight announcing something and it coming out hard-hitting journalism we do not know it might even be on first of april next year again i guess a year after they did it entirely possible well that's uh that's just about it, basically, for the year. Our next cast that will be out after this one will be our awards show, and then Jamie and I will be taking a break uh, over the festive period, and we all hope that you have a fantastic festive period yourselves. Uh, we will be back in January with the regular cast. We'll bring you the best in tabletop gaming news once more. We'd like to thank all our listeners over the course of the last year, all our patrons and all the guests that have come on the show. We really, really appreciate everybody's support and uh, everyone who's engaged with us on social media and come up to us and said hello at cons and given us time at cons when we've been interviewing as well. It's been a really good year. It's It's been wonderful. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen next year? I mean, I don't. But then again, I don't have 2020 vision.
I'll be back next year with a different co-host because I've Jamie's just been fired. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rate on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for The Giant Brain. Our website is thegiantbrain.co.uk. And you can email your CVs for the for the position of co-host for Brainwaves to giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be... Uh, We'll be interviewing people over the uh, festive period and into the early January. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>